Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. This is always a very exciting morning of, uh, of, of our year. We, we usually do baptisms once a year. I guess we'll be doing another one soon, um, but I'm really glad that you could be here. The, the sermon this morning, which is abbreviated, um, I just want to run through something that God just laid on my heart. I was like, wow, that's, that's really fascinating, right? So we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the, is the history of the, the, the people of God, the, the nation of Israel. In the Old Testament, there's all kinds of stories, all kinds of narratives, all kinds of history about God's people. And then we have the New Testament. When Jesus was born, and we have the disciples who recorded his life and his teachings and his death and his resurrection. Um, And sometimes we don't see the connection between the two. And I saw this fascinating connection over these past couple weeks, and I thought, let's look at that together before we hear from uh, those who are going to be baptized today. So... This is uh, based in Exodus chapter 13. We're not going to take it all apart because we don't have time. But if you want to read that this week, if you want to go back and you know where this story comes from, this is from Exodus chapter 13. And it's the story of the nation of Israel. They were slaves. They had become slaves to Egypt. And they had been in slavery for 400 years. But God heard their prayers God was faithful to his promises, and God sent Moses, and God did miracles to bring them out of slavery and into freedom. And that's the, the, the exodus. The exodus is the story. So there's, there's plagues. There's, it's a very exciting story. There's been movies made about it. It's a very exciting story. There's plagues, and there's all kinds of things that go on. There's this tension between Pharaoh and God, because Pharaoh thinks he is God, and so he's not going to let those people go. But Moses keeps saying, let my people go. Let my people go. And eventually, because things got bad for Pharaoh and his people, because God just kept saying, you're going to receive punishment for not obeying me. You know, you're going to have to live through these plagues. You're going to lose some very precious things. And finally, Pharaoh's heart broke. You know, when he lost his firstborn, he said, go, take your people and go, Moses. And there was an estimated three to four million people who were in slavery, who were freed. And, went, and through the exodus, we use this word exodus in our English language even today, but in the exodus, the escape, the, the, the rescue, there's all kinds of different words you could use for that. We use the word exodus if there's going to be a hurricane, you know, in Florida. You live in Florida or, or down in Texas or whatever, and everybody packs up their cars and gets on the highway, and they all leave at once. They say, oh, there's a mass exodus from Texas because Hurricane, you know, Susan is coming, you know, that type of thing. So... <laughs> So we do use it, but this is exactly what happened. They packed up their stuff. They went on their way, and God made a way for them. And it's interesting in the story because God doesn't make like a a very straight highway between them and the promised land back in the land of Canaan. God sends them on their way, and then he says to Moses, because Moses is still leading them, he says, you know, turn and go down this way. And if you could see a map, you could see it's not a direct route. In fact, it's a little bit of a wrong direction. But God sent them there for a very important reason. Because then Pharaoh changed his mind. Pharaoh says, wait a minute. I didn't want to let them go. Go get them. And he sends his chariots and he sends his army and he sends all these, all these people to go and get them and pull them back into slavery because that's a lot of uh, resources those slaves were able to bring to him. And he, being a pharaoh, 
uh, wanted those resources. So he, he wanted those people back to enslave them again. God didn't send them on a straight path. He sent them on this other path, which led them up to the Red Sea. So now there's a sea, and then there's Pharaoh's army, and God's people are in the middle. And there's no way of escape that they know of. Pharaoh's army comes up. God sends up a defense, uh, uh, you know, to keep them safe. And God speaks to Moses and says, I want you to take your staff, hit the Red Sea, tap it, and you'll see my deliverance. And we know the story. There's lots of, you know, illustrations, sometimes from Sunday school or whatever, but the, the Red Sea parts, right? It opens up in a highway, because this is a lot of people. This isn't like a little path. A highway is made through the sea. And so the people of Israel get out of there. They go, because here's a, a, an enemy army going to enslave them again. They go through that highway. They get to the other side. They're up on safety. And guess who follows them? Anybody know? Pharaoh's army follows them down into that bottom of the sea highway. And what does God do? Closes it up. They sink to the bottom. Their enemies are destroyed. And they celebrate. So that's the story of the Exodus. It's not the full story. It's my little abbreviated version of it. But I wanted you to see the escape through the waters. And realize that often... We forget the connection. Tanya was right when she said in the New Testament, usually right when they believed, when they put their faith in Christ, they were baptized as soon as possible. That's why, we, that's why we have many examples in the New Testament where they say, is there any water around that I can be baptized? You know, they wanted to do that as soon as possible because in a sense, it signified their escape. It wasn't their escape. It's not like there's magical power in the waters of baptism. That's just water from the reservoir or wherever we get it, through the pipes. There's nothing magical about it. So we've got to get rid of magical, childish thinking, right? It symbolizes the escape which God gave us through our faith in Jesus Christ. The washing of the water that, that set us free from sin and the power of sin. It's not that we'll never sin again, but sin is no longer your master, Sin no longer has you as a slave. You are free through faith in Jesus Christ and the washing of the water of baptism. It's a beautiful, beautiful image for us. You know, I often in in the class when we talk about it, I often point to my wedding ring and say, this wedding ring is a symbol of my marriage, but this wedding ring is not my marriage. My marriage is to my wife. It's a relationship. This relationship started a long time ago for these people. Some of them have been walking with Jesus for a long time. And they've come to the place where, you know what? I want to identify myself as a person who's been freed through faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to walk faithfully as a disciple in the days ahead, whatever, whatever those days bring. So that's what we're going to see here. I'm not going to go through this whole thing, Tom. I don't have time for it. I just wanted to get us oriented to what we're seeing here. So I know there's lots of slides up there. We'll use those another day, maybe. I want you to um, just see a few of these key verses. So we'll, we'll skip down to um, where the verses start. In Exodus 19, 
verse 5 and 6. This is back with Moses and the people of Israel. After the Exodus, God is building his relationship with his people because they, they've been very distant in their slavery. They haven't, they haven't known his voice. They haven't known his teachings. And so he's teaching through Moses and he's helping them to understand what this relationship will be like and can be like. He says, if you obey me fully, this is God speaking, and keep my covenant, you will be my most treasured possession. You will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So this is God's promise, part of God's promise to the people who have come through the Exodus, who have been rescued by his miracle. This passage is similar to a passage in, in uh, 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter 2.9. In 1 Peter, now, now we're into the New Testament. We're, we're way into the New Testament. The church has been established. The, the gospel has been spread throughout the Roman Empire and throughout the, the, the area that they have sent them, their missionaries to, Paul and others. But Peter... Peter, who is one of the original disciples, he, he writes this to the church, to the believers of his day. And I want you to hear it because it's not just for those who lived back with Moses. It's not just for those who lived back with Jesus or with Peter, but it's also for all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ today. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Now that sounds strange to us, but the priests... In the Old Testament, as God set up the priesthood and the temple worship, they were the ones who could draw closest to God. They represented the people for God. They interceded, they gave sacrifices, they prayed, they sang. Sounds like us. We're able to pray and sing and draw close to God because of the blood of Jesus, which was shed for us. So now, those who put their faith in Jesus are like priests, or part of a priesthood. We're not alone in it. Together, we draw close to God. A holy nation. A people belonging to God. Identifying themselves as those belonging to God. That's what these people are going to share with us in just a few moments. So that you may declare the praises of God. For God has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Amen? Amen. So those who are going to be baptized, well, we have a list of them at the end there. You can pop that up there, Tom. I'd like you to come down front. The elders of the church, the other leaders who work with me to lead the church are going to pray over them. They're going to have a seat over here, and then one by one, they're going to come up and share. Oh, one more thing they're going to do. Let me explain it, because I don't want to break the, the cycle. There's a little piece of paper that each of them has been reflecting on. It's a Bible verse, really. We put it on a little piece of paper. But it's a a verse from Colossians 2. You're going to see them take this and then they nail it to that cross because of what it says in, in, in the New Testament. So here's what this verse says, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. You were dead because of your sins. Because of your sinful nature, it had not been cut away yet, removed from you. But then God made you alive in Christ. I want you to hear this. Then God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of those sins, all of them that were recorded. He canceled the record that contained all the charges against you. He took it 
and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Amen? You know that's true. And so they each have this. They can put their name on it. They could write whatever they want on it. I told them, just nail it to the cross after they've shared, and then they'll go through the waters of baptism. So elders, let's pray for these men and women this morning that God would bless them in a mighty way. Can you hear me? Okay, I'll get closer. I'm always told I talk loud, so I was trying to talk softly, but I guess not. So in Isaiah 41.10, God said, Fear not, for I am with you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so happy that I'm not afraid of speaking of all of you today. Coming from a dedicated Catholic upbringing, from my two wonderful and loving parents, they ensured that I knew Jesus Christ was my Savior. I went to church every Sunday. I said my prayers when I went to bed. And I asked God for help when I needed it. But other than that, I walked through my life busily talking to family and friends, but hardly ever talking to Jesus. In my 38 years of marriage, my husband and I moved five times. During those years, I faithfully carried a Bible my sister Denise gave me from house to house. I safely put it in my nightstand, but I never pulled it out to read it. However, it wasn't until the doctor gave my husband the we can't do anything more for you speech that the Holy Spirit planted himself into my soul, and he filled my heart with such indescribable love and support that I began to know who my Savior really was. It is impossible to explain how joy entered my life during the most devastating event of the loss of my husband, Paul. But the hole in my heart was, that was left with Paul left me. It was filled ten times over with God's amazing love. He lit my soul on fire when I needed him and has since led me into a deep relationship with him. I now lean on him through prayer, intimate conversations throughout the day, and reading his word to guide me in my new walk with him. For I have been reborn into this new amazing life with him. As I walk into the water of the baby baptized today, I am proclaiming to the world that I truly know with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. That he, that he suffered and died for me on the cross, for my sins can be forgiven. And that he rose from the dead, and when he went to heaven, his Father sent down the Holy Spirit, so I would never walk alone. And I look forward to someday spending eternity with him in heaven. Thank you. Deborah, because of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
next we have Kyle Murphy. Up, Kyle. Morning, everyone. How you doing? That was a beautiful, that's beautiful music. Let's hear it for everybody. Let's hear it for the singers, all right? Now, I was writing all night. I said, oh, that's not good. That's not good. But I, I just prayed on it, and I said, this is what I'm going to say. So uh, three years ago, um, I was an alcoholic. I'd been an alcoholic for those three years. Um, and uh, I said, I can't imagine how can I have fun without, without this. Um, and uh, what brought me to this church uh, was actually my grandfather, who was 90 years old, had passed away. And um, <clears throat> I said, I have, I have to go to, I have to do something because what I'm doing isn't working. And I came here, and I didn't know what I was going to see. I, I knew it was going to be something great, but it's been giving me much more. And I can just say with all my heart, three years ago, I almost, I probably almost died. And Jesus died that day, so I didn't have to. So amen. Kyle, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you know him as your Lord and Savior. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning, church. I've known the Lord my whole life, having had the good fortune of being born into a Christian family and a long line of Presbyterians. And I was baptized as an infant. I was about a month old. I attended church weekly with my family. I was part of a youth group. I sang in the church choir for years. Uh, my voice is gone now, so um not doing that anymore. I went on retreats and I attended uh, Christian Bible camps in the summer. And my faith in the Lord carried me through a lot of difficult times throughout my life. But it wasn't until coming to Holden Chapel that I really began to grow in my faith. My husband has taught me much about Jesus throughout our marriage. And for this, I will forever be grateful. As I was always asking him questions about God, his word, that I did not fully understand, and he did. That he knew I was seeking to know more about what I believed, and it was he who brought me here to Holden Chapel. As he knew this church to be a Bible preaching church and a church of prayer. And here, among so many faithful and loving believers, we found a home. And I received my very first welcoming hug from Elaine McKay, who I thought was behind me. <laughs> well, anyway, from Elaine McKay. And we often joke about it because we're not huggers in the Presbyterian Church. Mm -hmm. 
Just saying. We joined a wonderful home group and recently started one of our own. And together with the combined knowledge of all in our group and trust we have in God's word, my understanding of why I have chosen to follow Jesus has grown. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Pastor Tom's thoughtful, informative, and heartfelt sermons week after week further fed me, all bringing me to this day and my decision to be baptized again. Trying to follow more closely in the footsteps of Jesus, I'm here today to experience this awakening as an adult. So I'm here today to publicly proclaim Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, placing my trust in him, knowing that I am a child of God. Thank you. Susan, because of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hi, uh, good morning. My name's Luke O'Neill. Kind of forgot to do my homework. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so all my life I've been a follower of Jesus. And uh, before we moved to Holden, I never really went to church or knew Jesus, but when we moved, we weren't, we weren't here, and I found my love, so I didn't have much to say. <laughs> because of your testimony from the other night, that you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, now we have Richard Wanju. Wanju? Hey, good morning, church. Praise God. All right. Like you heard, my name is Richard Monjoy. Um, I came to uh, know the knowledge of God. I've always known Jesus and God, and I've been attending church, but I had never welcomed Jesus into my heart until two years this week. So, I declared Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Not in the best circumstances, I was... Uh, in the worship in health. Uh, you remember COVID when it started back in 2020? I contracted COVID and it was a worst case scenario. I was in the ICU for 16 days. But God pulled me out of that. And I, <clears throat> yes, amen. And while I was there for the 16 days, that is when I had the encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I knew there is nobody, even family, friends, or anybody can be there for you 
other than Jesus. Jesus was always there for me. My journey through the last two years has been tough because during the course of recovery from COVID, I found I was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, I'm in the final now, like uh, home stretch now. I'm recovered. And I said the first opportunity I get to come back to church, I'll get baptized and declare my salvation to God. And in that honor, that is why I'm getting baptized today. And I declare that I'm born again and I love the Lord. Richard, because you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, Ethan, your turn. Good morning, coach. So I've been waiting for this moment for a really long time, and I decided two weeks ago when it was announced, today is the day. So I am being baptized today because God has helped me through lots of challenges in my life. This is me showing my thankfulness for all he has done for me and my way of showing that I want to follow Christ in my life. Also, one of my favorite verses is John 3.16, reminds me that God loves me so much that he sent his son Jesus, to pay for my sins, and because I've chosen to believe in him, I will not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you. All right, Ethan, because of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is working in your heart, there is a chance next month in June, if you would like to be baptized, get the information, study the scriptures, speak to me or one of the elders. We're going to leave you today with a benediction from the book of Ephesians, which is, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. This is the best part, according to his pleasure and his will. Amen. Be blessed.